Hey everyone, welcome into episode 8 of Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And I'm joined today by George. You can follow him on Twitter at jmontanez 90 George, how are you doing today? Pretty good, man. Pretty good, man. Happy opening day. What a day. Oh, it was great. I, I mean, I knocked out. Literally, the Domingo Santana home run knocked me out, and I fell, <laughs> I fell asleep like right after that. I, I took some Nyquil last night. I wasn't feeling over, feeling so great. So, but I feel a lot better this morning after a good night's sleep. But man, it was a busy day yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, baseball's back. Super excited. Again, it's just me and George today. We are throwing up a quick, you know, opening day recap. We're gonna go game by game, pointing out things that kind of just stood out to us. You know, batting lineup oddities maybe some stats, whatever comes to mind, maybe some buy low options even. It's only it's only the first day or not technically the second day of fantasy, but it's never too early to target people who panic. Hitters are harder to get buy low. One bad game, like Arenado went, I think, like one for four or Blackman went like over five off the top of my head yesterday. No one's going to really sell low on those guys, but pitchers, I'm big on going after pitchers. You can take advantage of some owners and, you know, them panicking – on some of their studs, like a Grinky or something, which, again, we'll, we'll get to those guys as we cover their matchups. Just a little outline of what we're going to cover today, and we're going to jump right in. So the first matchup that we're going to discuss today was the New York Mets versus the, the Nationals. The score was 2-0. to zero. Pretty, I mean, it was a good game. If you like baseball, it was a solid game. People like offense these days, so fantasy purposes might not have been the best, but with those two aces matching up, with you had DeGrom versus Scherzer, I'm not surprised at the outcome. But what stood out to you, George? You know, it was, you know, the pitcher's duel that, that we expected with Scherzer and, and DeGrom. Uh, Scherzer going, you know, seven and two-thirds strong, only giving up two earned runs and 12 strikeouts. DeGrom, you know, got his two runs of, of support. You know, the Mets off uh, to, a, to a good start already. You know, six innings, 10 strikeouts. You know, nothing really, you know, stood out from this game. It was just a fun pitcher's duel to watch. Uh, it, it was nice seeing Cano get that home run. Again, our chat was going crazy because you were all over Cano. I know John stole from you in the draft of, of, our, of our listeners league. And, but, <laughs> but besides that, I mean, I think a big takeaway was the fact that Turner was hitting second, which is expected, but had three stolen bases. That was also big. Like, I guess they weren't kidding when they said he can have 70, 80 steals, wherever that quote was. Obviously, he's on pace for way more, but that's – obviously, that can't be sustained, but – at the same time, they should be facing Syndergaard here soon, and we all know he's as easy as it comes to steal on. So this could be a big series as far as some bases go for Turner. So that was oh, yeah. something that stuck out to me. Yeah, definitely excited to see Turner running, you know, getting those three steals. It was also nice seeing Alonzo hitting second in the Mets lineup. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, we can't really overreact. Uh, I know I have a lot of Alonzo and a lot of Conforto, but, I mean, what you know, they combined to go one for eight. Uh, with four strikeouts, but I mean, what really can you expect going up against Scherzer? Um, it, it was just nice seeing that they have the confidence to bat him second. I was going to actually touch on that next. It's perfect. Lonzo hitting second and then Conforto hitting cleanup. I wasn't necessarily expecting him to hit less than fourth, but I think because Ross Resource had him fifth or sixth most of the off, most of the off season, seeing him batting cleanup shows that they're very confident in him. That definitely increases his value as far as, you know, the potential for um, RBIs and all that. And even runs because now he's hitting in front of McNeil, in front of Ramos. He's hitting in front of guys that can hit him in. And he is a high on base guy. So, again, like you said, it's Scherzer. It's it's never easy when you face a guy like that. But I expect better things going forward from those two guys. And as long as they keep hitting where they're at in that lineup, you got to love it. Oh, yeah. 
And last thing I'm going to touch on is the fact that, like you said, DeGrom got two runs. That's all he needed. Well, that's, that's awesome to be able to say that because last year, if he got two runs, that bullpen would blow that lead almost every game. And that was a, that was a huge problem. He probably lost. I'm not exaggerating when I say I think he lost like seven to ten wins last year because of the bullpen. He would give up – he would have a one or two run lead and the bullpen couldn't hold up last year. This year, the bullpen is way stronger. They were able to finish the first game of the season. Just – it seems like a, just a stronger team than most realize. Everybody's so hyped on the Braves and the Phillies. The Mets and the Nats are both solid. This is just a solid division. And as long as the Mets can stay healthy, I think they can legitimately contend. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think they have a legitimate shot at winning that division. Now, all those teams, you know, the Braves, the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Mets, you know, they can all beat up on each other. I I, I don't know if a a second team from that division can win the wild card. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how how the season folds out. But uh, any one of those teams can win the division. I think the Mets have as good a shot as any. All right, so moving on from this, because if we could talk about this division, these teams all day. So we got to move along. The next game we're going to cover is the Orioles versus the Yankees. Now, I'm going to just say straight up, sell high on all the Yankees, not named Stanton, Judge, or other studs on this team, basically. You have your, you know, your Luke Voigt's, heck, Bird. If Bird actually starts this whole series and goes off, maybe you can get something for him. I'm not saying Voigt isn't going to be good this year. I'm saying Bird probably won't be because he just can't stay healthy. But my point is, is just this series – it's it's the Orioles. They're a very terrible team. <laughs> I mean, they're they're pretty much as bad as it comes, especially in that division. The Yankees should take advantage of all the bad pitching they're going to see. I mean, yesterday was a prime example. They won the game seven to two. Again, I'm going to seriously harp on selling high on some of these guys. Nothing really stands stood out. Uh, you had Voight uh, in the cleanup spot, so you know anyone. Uh, you know, that has Voight, you know, it's got to be happy with that. He did hit that three-run home run. He he walked twice. So he he had himself a good game there against, you know, Kashner. I was I was watching that game. He hit the home run. I was like, I have no shares. I had him low in my first base, <laughs> my first base rankings. I'm like, this is me eating my words day one already. But but uh, two other things that actually kind of stood out, I guess. Like, like you said, not much did, but it goes a lot of this, a lot of our stuff that stands out, definitely batting, uh, batting order related. Torres hitting eighth is kind of concerning. I expect him to be closer to sixth. So the lower down he falls in that lineup, it's just the worst. It's gonna, I mean, it's just as bad as it gets for any hitter. The lower you go, the worse it is. But seeing Torres so low, I guess I'm not surprised. But at the same time, I guess I was expecting more. But looking at the guys ahead of him, you almost forget how good the Yankees were on paper. And that's probably going to be where he hits most of the year, unless Gardner gets hurt or something like that. Cause right. Yeah, that, that lineup's pretty deep. And then, you know, when Aaron Hicks comes back, you know, expect him to lead off. So that'll push Garner down the lineup. Uh, I don't expect Bird, you know, Bird did hit a home run. He also struck out three times. You know, I, I don't know if Bird's going to have the staying power in that lineup. I do think that Voight's going to be the one to remain there. Hitting cleanup for Voight, you know, it's really interesting. He can have a lot of RBI opportunity this year. Oh, huge. I mean, avoid sixth in the fourth spot. You're looking at literally 90 to 100 RBIs, assuming that he stays there all year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that did uh, stand out to me with the Orioles lineup was Jonathan VR hitting third. Yeah, I was about to touch um, on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know last year he was hitting second. Hitting third, I, I just, you know, one of the things that, that I thought, you know, with VR was he was going to be able to run a lot. And I'm just, you know, not sure how much he's going to run hitting third there uh, with the Orioles. Uh, I would like to see him, you know, hitting, you know, at least second. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Well, as far as 
as far as preferring him to be hitting top two. I think my, my biggest issue is I drafted VR, and I'm sure most people did, not just for the stolen bases, but also for the runs because he was supposed to be hitting top two, and that is just a better spot for, for scoring runs. Now you're looking at uh, growth and RBIs potentially. I mean, the team isn't great, so even batting third, RBIs won't necessarily be there. I mean, yet, yes, he hit two hits, and nobody was on base ahead of him to score, at least, or at least didn't score on his hits. Right. But I don't think it's going to stop him from stealing. I don't – that team's not strong enough to where they're going to say, you know what, don't run. If he gets on first base with two outs, and that's probably going to be pretty common, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, what's gonna, why are they not going to give him the green light to try and get in scoring position with two outs, you know? Because what's the worst? Oh, so Mancini batting fourth, if he stays there, he has to lead off the next inning? That's not terrible considering who their other options are. I don't think it will hinder him too much on the base paths, but – it's just it was weird, like like you said, mostly because he's just not a number three hitter. No other line, no other team in the league, except for maybe the Marlins, and even the Marlins have better power hitters and better number three hitters in VR. So uh, it was a little little unexpected to see him hitting third, but I mean, considering considering the lineup, I mean, yeah. So the game that I was watching that I thought was absolutely a great game was the Brewers and Cardinals. The Brewers barely held on to that win, five to four. That game-robbing catch from Kane was absolutely amazing. Oh, what a catch. It was a game, it was a game winner, I should say, not game-robbing. It was a home-run-robbing, game-winning catch. Beautiful. That's what Kane gets paid to do. You have to remember, there is real baseball beyond fantasy, although I forget sometimes. Stuff like that reminds me. Looking at this one, you had Hayter get the two-inning the two save. I expect that to be kind of normal. I mean, I don't think he's going to get every save opportunity, but I think when he does get utilized, it's, it's going to be for two inning saves because that's kind of his strength, the two-inning role. Yeah. But he looked electric. I mean, in those two innings, he had four strikeouts. He almost blew it, though. I mean, but that's, that's Jose Martinez. People forget just how good he could be. So that was who almost hit the home run off of him. But regardless, I, I mean, Mustakas hit sixth instead of seventh. That was nice. Grandal hitting seventh. But that lineup is just so solid, one through seven. So... I it mean, is. It is. We even had the pitcher hitting a home run, Shasin. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that was that pissed me off. Because <laughs> it's like that one thing. It's like this stuff like that, and because of how funny it is, and it's always a talking point. Yeah, it, it really aggravates me to see pitchers hitting home runs. Not because I don't think it's hilarious or great, but because it's always going to give somebody a leg to stand on in that argument that the NL shouldn't have DHs. So, and I'm very for the D, I'm very pro DH in the NL. So I digress. So as far as the Cardinals go, the Zhang hitting third, I heard rumblings of it. I wasn't yeah. sure I was going to buy into that, but he actually is. <laughs> and to hit third in that lineup really boosts pretty much anybody's value. But if he sticks to that, he could be looking at a lot of RBIs. And, you know, he is a home run hitter. So he did, I think he's your three true outcome type of guy because yesterday he was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. The Zhang seems to be a three true outcome type of guy. He hits home runs, he walks some, and he Ks a ton. Yesterday, he was 0 for 4, 3 Ks, kind of suggests that. Problem is, he hasn't really walked that much, so I think he's more home runner K. But there's another guy that I know you, you, you might want to mention kind of breaking out for a nice game yesterday. Oh, yeah, Colton Wong hitting two home runs. I mean, I, I don't think there's much to, to take away from that. Uh, you know, just I'm not really – I'm not picking up Colton Wong. I think deeper leagues, he might have some value, only because second base is really weak when you get deeper into the position. So – if there's a chance he's finally hitting on that upside he, he showed, what, two, three years ago that everyone's been chasing and it's kind of, like, calmed down since then, if he kind of – if he starts to hit on that, 
I'm just saying it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying maybe keep an eye on him in shallower leagues. Like, you know, I mean, he's not rosterable in 10s. Deeper 12s, you know, like Roto Leagues where it's like middle and field slots and all that. Maybe I can understand taking a chance on him over a Kike Hernandez or something like that, which we discussed last episode about waiver wire grabs. So he's just he's just interesting. I think I think he's definitely better in real life than he is for fantasy. But he legitimately, for as little as he is, has a little pop in that bat. And if he finally – I mean, he's getting the opportunity to finally be an everyday starter. So, more or less, let's see where it goes, I would say. And one last thing I noticed about the Cardinals, Bader is hitting low. I didn't think Bader was going to be hitting that low, but he's hitting eighth, it looks like. Yeah, so Bader, Bader's hitting eighth in that lineup. I didn't notice that until, honestly, about <laughs> this moment. And yeah. that has to hinder his upside for sure. What do you think? Fowler hitting – Sixth, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know why Fowler's still even there, uh, really. Why is he um, starting? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think Fowler's going to fizzle out and, and Bader moves up to that sixth spot. Um, I, don't, I don't see any value in them keeping Fowler there. Uh, I don't know why he's, he's still even, you know. Well, I mean, honestly, we, I think we all know the real reason why he's still there is because of how much money they're paying him. They have Jose Martinez and Tyler O'Neill which I feel like are both better real life and fantasy options that I would love to see them get that, um, that opportunity. So Dave Martinez is another guy, you know, they, they should have traded if they're not going to play him in the field, if he's just going to be, you know, a, a pinch hitter or, you know, get maybe, you know, start here and there. He's a guy that, that they should, you know, I would love to see them trade to the AL, you know, cause he can hit, he can really hit. He just, he just can't play the field. Yeah, he can. He can smack, man. I mean, yesterday, like I said, he just missed that home run. If most center fielders probably don't make that catch, Lorenzo Cain's just an elite player as far as real life player. He's just elite, especially in the field. Most players don't make that catch. He, we're talking about uh, Jose Martinez having a home run right now, potentially giving the the Cardinals a a, a chance to win that game. So. I'm with you. If if Jose Martinez, I think it wouldn't even surprise me if he gets that job sooner than later as well. I think again they're trying to justify why they're paying Fowler all this money, but the Cardinals want to win. They want to contend. They just signed Goldie to a long term deal. They went out and traded for him in the first place. They're making those moves. They obviously want to win now. They're not gonna. They're only gonna put up with the Fowler in the field for so long if he doesn't come around with that bat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we did see Shasin pick up the win, f- pitching five innings. Gave up three runs, got seven strikeouts. Nothing to really take away from from the pitching performances. It was just it was a fun game to watch. You know, two teams that are you know going to be battling it out for that division all year. Maybe Mikolas. I mean, I wasn't on Mikolas, so I have no shares. I'm not a Mikolas guy. Yeah. And this probably isn't typical of him because again, we're talking about the pitcher who did damage. But I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm just not. A, maybe in points leagues, he's better because he has you know his K's. Are, he's not a K rate guy. He's a Tisha contact type. I would watch out for Mikolas. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not a fan personally. I mean, that's just, this is a personal thing. I'm not a fan. I don't think his fantasy value is what he was being drafted to be. I think last year, obviously a lot of the, his wins definitely probably boosted his value for sure. And you can't count on wins ever. So I don't know if, if I can, if I could still ship him out and get any type of value in return, I think I would. But that's just me being a little biased because I'm just not on him at all. Right. Yeah, yeah. No shares of Mikolas for me either. So enough about that. I can ramble about Mikolas for a while. So uh, the next game we're going to cover is the Braves versus the Phillies. The Phillies came out in grand fashion. 
put up a 10 spot on the Braves. They won the game 10 to four. What, what's your takeaway from that? Yeah. Um, I mean, McCutcheon, you know, came out and introduced himself to Philadelphia with the home run there, his first at bat. Uh, so that was nice. You know, McCutcheon is someone that I thought you know, was going too late. I, I thought he was going to be giving you great value for where he was going. You know, Hoskins, hitting that grand slam, uh, you know, the Phillies are going to, they're going to be good. That lineup is really good. Hoskins is going to have a lot of those opportunities. I mean, they yeah. intentionally walked Harper to get to him and he made them pay. And Harper was having a bad game. He, you could tell he had opening day jitters. I think he was trying too hard because he dominates Tehran. He has great career numbers against them. Harper will get right. I'm not too worried about it. I think he really wants to show that he's worth that money. So today was just kind of a blip on the radar. Speaking of Tehran, Please tell me you're not rostering him. If you are, drop him yesterday. Like, I wouldn't have played him. I mean, he wasn't worth starting yesterday. He's just – I don't see how he's rosterable. There's guys – I'd rather have Cahill and Fires over them. Like, and I don't know if that's actually bold. I don't think that's bold by any means. I'm not sure if that's – that might even be showing in the ownership percentages. But Tehran was the opening day starter, so I think people probably had him rostered for that reason. Please just drop him. That is my advice. I don't think most people are going to argue with me. Please just drop Tehran. Okay. I feel yeah. better now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing I did want to mention, you know, Acuna batting cleanup. Uh, I know that was a, a big talking point. It, there was some speculation that he was going to be hitting leadoff this season. Uh, so he putting him in the cleanup spot, he did, he did still steal a base. He's going to be running, you know, any, any chance he gets, even from the four spot. Yeah, they did say that right before, I think a day or two before opening day, they said he could run at will. Yeah. And they showed that they weren't lying. He ran his first, the first, the first hit he got of the game or the first time he got on base, he actually stole right away. So that shows that they weren't, you know, they're not bluffing on that when they, I think he's going to be able to run at will. As far as the pitchers go, what stood out was Nola. Not because, I mean, he only had a 1.5 ERA, eight strikeouts in six innings. That's great. The only negative was the five walks, but, I think he might have been trying too hard. You know, it was opening day. Maybe he was trying to locate a little too much. But the fact that he had five walks and still came out unscathed as he did is pretty impressive. That just goes to show you the type of pitcher and type of upside he has. Those walks aren't going to be a, a common thing. That's never been his game. He's going to probably back down on those walks a little bit and improve or at least stay consistent with what he put up today. The walks were just, again, another little blip on the radar. Not really. I, I wouldn't be concerned about them at all. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. You know, six innings, eight strikeouts, one and run. You know, he basically just gave you what you drafted him to do. You know, Nola is a stud. You know, he's he's an absolute stud. So I'd be happy, absolutely happy with uh, with Nola. All right. That covers the Braves and Phillies. We're going to move over to the Tigers and Jays. This game was just boring to me. I mean, as far as fantasy yeah. and <laughs> as far as fantasy goes and reality, these teams are both just whatever. I mean, there are some exciting players on both. But, I mean, it was a 2-0 to zero game. Zimmerman had, what, a perfect game into the, into the eighth inning or seventh inning? Seventh inning, I believe, yeah. You know, both of these guys had a no-hitter at one point. I think, you know, after the fifth inning, they, they were both on their way to a no-hitter. They both pitched seven innings. You know, Stroman actually got uh, seven strikeouts, Zimmerman getting four. You know, these offenses just you know, – a 2-0 game in that environment with those pitchers, you know, you expect a little more – you know, didn't think this would be the pitching duel that it was. That's for sure. It was nice seeing Giles come out and pitch an inning, get three strikeouts. And not punch himself in the face. And not punch, yeah. Yeah. 
that was good in a non-safe situation at that because we all know how bad he was in non-safe situations last year. Oh, yeah. he was. Per- it was funny because everybody forgot that, or at least people didn't re- maybe realize, he actually was perfect in his save opportunities last year, I believe. Right. I don't think he had one blown save, but he couldn't pitch a non-safe situation for his life. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know how many safe situations he's going to have in Toronto this year. Uh, but 30 man 20 to 30 probably (laughs) yeah Shane Green did pick up the save the only runs that came in this game came off of a Christian Stewart to run home run yeah 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 we know yeah yeah he (laughs) he was another guy that I've been talking up uh this offseason as a a late you know really late target especially in points leagues because he does walk a lot and and he's got that power so it was nice seeing him get that home run I believe he was batting sixth he was batting sixth yesterday he he should be able to to drive in some runs, so that that was nice to see. It wouldn't surprise me if he you know as the season goes on maybe earns his way up to that fourth spot because I'm looking at Goodrum and Candelario ahead of him. Yeah, both of which both of which are okay, but I think Stewart has more upside than both of them. I think he could be the better hitter, so I think it wouldn't like I said it wouldn't surprise me if he moves up to that fourth or fifth spot. And we all know Cabrera. Hopefully he stays healthy. I would like to see him healthy, obviously, but. If he doesn't, or most likely doesn't, I should say, at this point in his career, Stewart, that's another way for Stewart to move up. So he's definitely a good name to keep an eye on. I personally have added him in deeper in 12-teamers, but some of the 12-teamers I play in are pretty deep. They have, you know, middle infield spot, five outfielders, all that good stuff. So he's definitely – he's great in five outfield leagues, even in Roto. I would definitely recommend grabbing him. And I know, obviously, George is the high man on him, so he's, he's all yours, buddy. I can't take him from you. <laughs> but, but I definitely I'm, I'm, I'm on board with grabbing him but a guy who people were drafting for similar numbers but and has more power but less on base skills is Grichuk and I'm not gonna lie I was very surprised in a good way but very surprised he was batting second yesterday I thought that was like nuts especially considering you know you have, you have Pilar you have Guriel Jr. those are both guys I expected to be more prototypical two-hole hitter but that was probably the biggest surprise and takeaway from the Toronto side of things yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, batting third there too, Teoscar Hernandez. He's another interesting guy. Uh, you know, he's got the power-speed combo. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they keep he, – he had played really well for a stretch last season. I know I was picking him up in, in, in even in shallow leagues. Yeah, he's got some potential there. I'm not I'm going to lie. I'm not that familiar with him. I do remember last year's a little bit of a breakout or a little bit of a stretch where he was pretty hot. But I know at one point I'm pretty sure he was like a pretty decently touted – prospect right yeah yeah he came from Houston system you know he's traded there to Toronto from Houston he's someone that you know know, we've been waiting on for him to tap into his potential because yeah he he's got that a good you know power speed combo there Uh, he's hitting he's hitting third so again these are and some of these guys if you're in deeper leagues because I I know I'm in a few he's he's drafted universally in a lot of my 12 teamers again I play in deeper 12 teamers but if you're looking for a diamond in the rough Look at lineups. Go go look at opening day lineups, batting orders, and look for those guys that are just surprising you. Like, look for, perfect example, Teoscar Hernandez. He's batting third. And the lineup isn't great, but he's still batting third. You go ahead. If you're looking for guys with upside that might not be on your league, that you know what, so you have injuries, you need, you might need just that power, that speed, whatever you might need. Just look at lineups and maybe give, give someone a shot who's batting third or fourth in a lineup, even if it's a bad team, because that's probably some of the better upside guys you'll get versus maybe going after a guy that you like that's batting eighth or ninth in their respective lineup. So 
just a little helpful hint maybe for some people looking for like last of Jeff or like, Oh man, I just don't know who to add. <laughs> well, just do something like that. I would, that's something I would recommend doing and go from there. It, that's going to tell you, you know, what the teams believe, you know, that if, if they have the confidence of the manager, um, you know, it's about third. Uh, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Now moving on to the Rays and Houston game. This one had an electric beginning. I mean, the Rays only put up the one run, and the score was five to one. Houston won that game. The big takeaway, I think, in general, we'll get to. Don't worry, we'll get. We'll let you talk about Meadows. We, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold you back on Meadows. I know you're the Meadows truther. So, oh yeah. Before before we get there, I'm just that that batting line. That again, going back to batting lineups. I'm. These are some of the bigger takeaways from opening day because, like George said, you want to see who's being batted where, who has the confidence of their managers, and that changes values. You had. Meadows leading off, which I didn't see that happening. And I don't even think he was projected to be higher than seventh. You have Pham hitting second, which was expected. But then you had G-Man Choi hitting third and Brandon Lau hitting fourth and Yanni Diaz hitting fifth. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All of them get boosted value for that, hitting middle of a lineup. And the lineup, and, always, and it seems like those are guys that are always going to be on base. But I don't know. It was just definitely, definitely unexpected. I'm, I liked it, but it really threw me off. The Tampa Bay order was was something that surprised me early in the day. It, you know, like you mentioned, Meadows leading off. It didn't really, you know, I, I thought that maybe throughout the, uh, as the season progressed, that he would get there. You know, just because you have, you had Kevin Kiermeyer and Tommy Pham going one and two. And, you know, they're not exactly, you know, the, the healthiest. They don't have the healthiest track records. So I did think that, you know, Meadows would find himself, you know, near the top of that order eventually. But first day, you know, opening day, seeing him lead off and then getting that home run, that leadoff home run off of Verlander. Yeah, that was I I loved it. You know, Meadows was a guy that I have been talking up all offseason was my number one target after the top 150 picks. Uh, I I think he's going to be one of the biggest risers this year. Seeing him get, get that leadoff home run made me happy. That's for sure. There was two things that outside of the batting order, the two things that really stood out were Correa was out, which I thought it was leaning that way. But the fact that he was actually out is concerning, but he wasn't placed on the IL yet. So maybe we have to check on that news today a little bit. Just watch out for what's going on there. Aledmus Diaz got his spot in the starting in the starting lineup. So maybe in your deepest of deep leagues, maybe give him a shot, throw him out there because – Anytime you can get a piece of Houston's starting lineup, you can't go wrong. Ugh, he's not the best to go after for a middle infield spot. I mean, I'd rather have Wong over him to give an idea of like what type of leagues I'm talking about to go get Diaz in. Like I said, Correa was out, and Snell struggled. It was mostly by the long ball. He was just giving up too many home runs. I mean, what, Springer had one, Altuve had one, Brantley had one, and that's pretty much all the damage that was done. All long balls. This might be your chance to go by low on Snell, because I know I personally yeah. wasn't on I know I personally wasn't on Snell this year. I have one share, but I'm not selling because I think this was a this was just a minor thing. I don't think this is going to be at your common outing for him. Opening day, just got paid. A little bit of jitters. Right. I don't have any Snell either, just because uh, you know, where he was going, there were other pitchers that that I was targeting. You know, in the second round there, some regression from last year was to be expected. The peripherals were showing that there was some regression coming, but he only pitched three innings in the spring, you know, so I, I really would not be too concerned at all with Snell. First outing of the year, didn't pitch in the spring, so. Knocking off some of that rust. 
Exactly, exactly, yeah. Verlander, though, on the other hand, you know, seven strong innings, <laughs> nine strikeouts, exactly what, what you drafted him for. Then really surprising there. He did give up that leadoff home run to, to Meadows, but cruised along uh, for the rest of the game to pick up the win there. I told everybody I would point out by low guys. Most of them, I think all of them on this list of mine are pitchers, and Snell is one of them because there's people that just weren't so totally bought in but took him because they thought maybe he was just the best available according to ADP because some people are very ADP heavy and they, that's all that they live by it. And like you said, George, I was all over Bauer and Thor, so I didn't get any Snell this year because I was getting those guys later. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And even in, in that range, I was going after Nola, Cole – I'm, I think we were on the same page, so it wasn't anything against Snell as much as I like people better in that same range and guys I like more than Snell going later. So regardless, Snell's definitely a guy that if you want to test the waters, it can't hurt. Now, I'm not saying go super low, but I'm trying to think of a name. Yeah, I mean, if you have an owner that's panicking, you know, that uh, after after about one bad outing against a really good team after he didn't have any uh, spring training, then I, I definitely, you know, try to try to see what, what the price is and try to try to get Snell. There's people, there's players that haven't pitched yet, but maybe somebody like a Clevenger, and that's probably as low as I would start off offering. I, when I try to buy low, I try to still give something or at least offer something that seems relatively like realistic. And I think Clevenger might be on the low end of that, but still potentially realistic for a guy. I would, I would have said Grinky, but we all know how that went. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But, <laughs> Like I said, I would start as no lower than a Clevenger, who, again, Clevenger maybe I'm just higher on. He's in my top 15 starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. And Snell's closer to my 10th starting pitcher. So for me, the gap personally isn't that much. I know I wouldn't accept it, but it's definitely, <laughs> definitely a trade I would try to throw out there maybe. Heck, I might go do it just to see if there's anybody that's like, ooh, got to get, get, gotta get from under Snell. Because I'm, I'm willing to maybe a Patrick Corbin, just that next tier under him. That's where I'm kind of getting at. Right. Maybe even Walker Bueller. Bueller might be the high end guy, the highest end guy I would think about offering for Snell. But that's because I think Dodgers are gonna be have kid gloves on him and he's not gonna get he's gonna be solid, but I don't think he's gonna get the innings and the, the K's and everything else that Snell's gonna get by the end of the seasons. I'm worth you there. Uh another thing that I, I did like to see was Altuve. Altuve hit a home run. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, last year he did disappoint a lot of people. He had pretty much was playing through injury all, all last year. And then mm-hmm. he had, uh, I believe he did have his side flaring up this spring. So he, he was someone, Altuve, you know, falling into the second round that another one, like I mentioned in a previous podcast, like Goldschmidt, that I can that can give you first round production in the second round. So I, I'm, I am expecting a big bounce back season from Altuve. He hit a home run and a double. So that was that was really good. We had Springer and their new acquisition, Brantley, you know, hit a home run. Definitely, you know, good things to see from, from the Astros. I, I have the Astros winning the most games this season. And just, you know, with that stacked lineup and that pitching, you know, they're just, you know, I, I think they're the best team in baseball. I haven't given much thought to that. I'm still so caught up in opening day and getting everything, you know, my fantasy drafts. I, yeah. I, I never really thought about that much. We'll get back to that discussion another time for sure. The next game that we're going to cover is the Chicago Cubs versus the Rangers. This wasn't really a game. I mean, what? It was 12-4 to 4 was the final score. The Cubs absolutely demolished the Rangers. The Rangers were at home. The pitching was as bad as to be expected. Mike Miner, people did have him on their sleeper list this year. I still – I mean, one outing isn't going to change, change their minds. One outing isn't really going to change much. 
it wasn't a great one, but I mean, it is the Cubs. But I don't know, man. I'm just looking at this Cubs lineup, and I'm not impressed. So one of the main things that stood out to me was Schwarber wasn't in the starting lineup. That's probably because Mike Miner's a lefty, and Schwarber does not usually hit well against lefties. So I think they were just playing matchups with this one. But still concerning when a guy, you know, like Schwarber <laughs> isn't in start the opening day lineup. That just goes to show you that they're all they're just all about those matchups, playing those matchups. Now David Boat was even in play, uh, playing second base, which I thought that was going to be Ian Happ this year. I thought Ian Happ was going to have that that role, but I guess David Boat got it. Ian Happ got sent down. Zobris was DHing. I just think this team. I mean, they still have Hayward in right field. Just I don't know, man. I'm just not blown away by the Cubs this year. Their starting lineup is just whatever to me. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I'm not too high on the Cubs this year. They they did go in and and uh, beat up on the Rangers a bit. Miner was a guy that that I like late that I was just praying would get traded this offseason. You know, I, I want to see him pitching in a better park. He he's one that to keep an eye on later in the season, see if he gets traded. Yeah, you know, four four innings, give up six runs, uh, and then Lester pitching six innings, giving up two runs and only three strikeouts. I mean, I don't know how Lester keeps doing it. I, I really don't. He, he's someone who, uh, you know, his peripherals just scream, you know, that he, he should be getting blown up, especially with the low strikeout rate. Lester just lackluster, man. I'm just right. – I'm not impressed either. And you're right. His numbers scream, I'm going to suck. But he produces or outproduces those numbers, it seems like. He could be one of those guys that just maybe – as he's getting older, he's evolving to more, more of a contact uh, pitcher, maybe becoming, you know, he's not striking out guys like he used to. He's better for points leagues for sure. It, or it could have just been the matchup. I mean, they did get to him early with Andrews hitting a two-run shot. But otherwise, they really didn't touch him. And I don't know if that's going to be normal for him going forward because, again, this is just – I don't know. But at the same time, the Rangers' offense isn't terrible. I was actually very surprised as I looked down, up and down that lineup. The Shields is leading off, by the way, which is pretty good for his stolen base opportunities. But we're talking 20, 30 stolen bases probably low end if he stays in that leadoff spot all year. And then, you know, Andrews, it was nice to see him hitting the home run. Uh, he's someone as, as well that I, I thought, you know, was going late that that's going to give you a good value this year. I know he had a you know really down year uh, last year. Before he broke his, he fractured his elbow, he had a 42% hard hit rate. I mean, he really broke out with the power in 2017, and he was showing that early on last year. It would be silly to think that the, a fractured elbow wouldn't affect his rest of season numbers. You know, it was nice to see him hitting a home run. He did have a good spring. So definitely, you know, at Andrews, if you drafted him late, I, I would expect some really good value there. And then uh, Mazzara, he got the home run as well. I know that this offseason that – the Rangers were working on Mazar's swing. He hit the ball, you know, into the ground at a 55% rate last year. You know, he just hits way too many ground balls. And, and Mazar is someone that we've been kind of waiting for a breakout for a few years now. He, he's still young, you know, and so they're making those adjustments. If he can just start putting the ball in the air a little bit. I, I love those two guys in that park. Yeah, so last year, the Rangers park was the number five in park factors for home runs, according to Fantasy Pros. So yeah, those are some guys that you know I'm I'm looking at to you know maybe give you some power there in that park. And again, on the other side, someone that I want out of that park with Mike Miner. So a couple quick notes on the Cubs lineup though. Back to that side, Chris Bryant seems healthy. I mean, he hit that home run yesterday. That was great to see coming off the shoulder and all that. And Lobkins, I mean, he's another guy that was going 
he was on the Price is Right episode. He's going, you know, late second. That offers first round upside type value. Baez, double dong, man, double <laughs> two home runs yesterday. <laughs> One of them, I saw the I saw the highlights. One of them was low and like aiming about to was the catcher framed it and was about to go go for it in the dirt. Like it was actually on its way down. He just scooped it and put it out of the park, man. Yeah, so, yeah. Baez just crushes the ball, dude. And the, but see, that's concerning because even though it was a home run. I'd say eight, maybe eight out of ten. Said nine out of ten, eight out of ten times, he's probably swinging and missing at that pitch. Right. Because yeah. it was pretty damn low out of the zone. It seemed like so. His great, you know, he we know he's known to be an aggressive hitter. The power is there. He's hitting fourth in that lineup. So obviously, I don't feel bad. I have no shares, and I hope he does well. But I have no problem if I miss out on him because if he repeats close to last year. You paid for it this year anyway, so it's not like it's it's not like you're really missing on him, so to speak. If you don't have him, he just looks like so far one day he's providing uh, the value that you got him as far as on draft day. You know, Baez is someone that you know everyone was screaming would fall off from from last year that you know he was going to regress, but he's never hit under two seventy. You know, when he crushes the ball and he hits up the ball as hard as he does, and he's got that speed that lends itself to a to a high BABIP. He's going to strike out a ton. He's going to be streaky, but 30 home runs, 15 to 20 steals, and an average that doesn't kill you, that's not going to hurt you drafting him in the, in the second round. Because last year was his first like, like real breakout year, and he was one of those where almost like Snell, the regression just seemed inevitable. I just wasn't willing to pay the premium for him. He could prove me wrong, and I'm okay with eat, eating my words on that one because, again, I just don't think – I still don't think he's going to provide much profit. Like, if I, in the second round, I'm going for guys that either have safer floors or have higher ceilings. Like, a guy like Chris Bryant I'd rather have over him because I know he's going to provide me a second-round value or I feel pretty comfortable saying that as long as he's healthy. But I know his upside is first-round type of talent, type of value. Baez, same up first-round type of upside, but his floor could be sixth, seventh, tenth round. You know, you just never know right. if he falls off. So that was just my reasoning for avoiding him. But nonetheless, he's he shut me up day one. We'll see if it, we'll see how that goes. Now, the Angels versus A's again, another kind of another boring game. At least from in my estimations, I'm a I like the A's. I think they're a fun team to follow. Oh yeah, it was a four to zero outcome. Oakland got their first win of the season. What stood out initially? I mean, they just traded for Kendrick Morales, so we're gonna see how this affects the lineup. But Robbie Grossman of all players led off which I found to be odd. And I wonder what this says for Pinder, because you have Pinder and Profar. Profar is going to move from first to second once Morales is there, because Chris, Chris Davis is going to stay DHing, right? So you have – try to follow along with me. Chris Davis is going to stay at DH. You're going to have Kendris go to first. Profar go to second. That leaves left field up for grabs between Pinder and Grossman, I would say, on a, everyday, on a regular, you know, everyday basis. Yeah, I expect Grossman to keep that for now, you know, and Pinder to to remain the super utility guy. This team is just going to mix and match so much. They got so many guys that can play, you know, different positions. And then now Kendris Morales coming in, throws another guy in there. And, you know, he, he didn't play for a space really at all in Toronto. He was their, you know, everyday DH. Oakland traded for him to take some time at first base, you know, while Olsen is out. So, you know, it's it's going to be really hard. I know, you know, even Mark Canna. Mark Canna is going to be, from what I've heard, he's going to be platooning versus versus lefties. So if you own any of these guys in a daily league, especially like Pinder and Profar, 
they're definitely worth owning and playing when they're in the lineup. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to own any of these guys in a weekly league. I think that covers the A's pretty well. I mean, it's going to mix and match. I mean, Semyon has let off already in a game. Grossman now. I'd say the only three set guys, maybe four, might be Chapman, Piscotti, Davis, and Profar. That's even roughly in that order. I'm not even sure that those four are going to stay in that exact order, but I think those four are going to bat two through five in one way or another. Other than that, it's going to be a, a complete mess. So for fantasy purposes, it's tough. Just kind of have to watch day by day, game by game with Oakland. On the Angel side of things, one of my deep sleepers, although he didn't have a great game yesterday, unfortunately, but Justin Bohr hitting third, I love it. First base is weak. Bohr was being drafted last year as like that sleeper slash, not necessarily sleeper, but like kind of like a breakout possible first, you know, possible breakout first baseman. Got off to a bad start with Miami. Uh, had no supporting cast. Uh, and then he got traded to the Phillies where he just kind of sat on the bench, played intermittently. Now he's getting a full, at least the first month or so, definitely starting between DH and first base. Looks like he's hitting third. He might flip-flop with Pujols because Pujols is hitting fifth. Wouldn't surprise me if either one of those are batting third any given day, but still a guy that can give you some cheap power at a position that seems that is very weak that a lot of people complain about. I like where he's hitting. He's hitting behind Trout and Calhoun, which could lead to a lot of RBI opportunities. And hit, hitting in front of Simmons and Pujols, that gives him some, some protection. I think he could be in for a solid at least first month. But other than that, after what, Pujols, and I'm being nice when I, when I include Pujols. Right, yeah. <laughs> You're being generous there. <laughs> after Pujols, that, that, I mean, Cozart, uh, La Stella, I didn't realize he was still playing. Yeah. <laughs> Borges. I mean, they did just and, claim they did just claim Goodwin, so that could be a decent deep league guy to go after because he offers a little bit of speed, a little bit of I don't know everything. And he's, but that's just again, I'm just I'm, I'm reaching, I'm reaching here, <laughs> trying to trying to talk. Yeah, and I mean, you, you can't feel good right now about hearing turf toe with Justin Upton. He injured his toe on Sunday, uh, fielding a fly ball. They're calling it turf toe. I know those can get really tricky. They can keep guys out for a long time. Uh, he was actually someone that I like in, in Roto Leagues. You know, he gives you basically year in and year out the same kind of production, you know, 30 home runs, maybe, you know, close to double-digit steals, 250, 260 average. Just solid. Right, right. Just solid, you know, year in and year out consistency. Definitely the hit to that lineup. Like you said, after you get past, you know, Simmons, really, the rest of that lineup's not looking too great. I included Pujols. I was being nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I know you like to play in deeper leagues, so. That's funny because I still don't own him in any of those. I'm just, again, <laughs> trying to – I'm just trying to – Pools just earns that respect at this point. I think yeah. it's more of a real-life thing than a fantasy to take. Otherwise, I mean, Cahill, eh, not, obviously not good, but could have been worse. Fires did all right, so he was a good stream yesterday. But moving forward, the Reds and Pirates, this was a 3-5 to five, uh, finish with the, in favor of the Reds. Now, I was fully invested in this game, mostly because I'm just a huge Tyone guy and I have him everywhere. Yeah. Now, just let me, let, me, let me fight my point. First off, I know I'm going to, as soon as I get off, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to start playing out feelers for uh, Tyone today because his final line looks terrible. Six innings pitched, four runs, four Ks, six ERA, 1.33 uh, whip. That looks terrible on the surface, but what people don't realize, if you weren't following – he actually went six innings strong with only one earned run in those four Ks. They brought him out for the seventh, and that's when the damage happened. He came out for the seventh inning, gave up a, a home run to Peraza, gave up two base hits, 
left the game and the relief pitcher came in and gave up a three-run shot to Dietrich, two of those runs were charged to Tyone because they were on base when he left. So I expect at least one of those runs to score, honestly. The fact that both of them did were kind of upsetting because I lost my quality starts that I did have Tyone. You know, I have Tyone in a lot of leagues, including ones that have quality starts. So I lost my quality start yesterday in the seventh. Again, he had six strong, solid innings against a good Reds lineup. And don't forget, it was at Great American Small Park. So I liked what I saw. I liked the outcome. Just he came back out for the seventh inning, and that's when the damage was done. He went six strong. That's really encouraging. His pitch total was a little low. That's why they brought him back out. He was in the 70s, I believe, like the mid to high 70s when he came back out for the seventh. So I understood why they brought him out. But that was probably the, the roughly the third time through the lineup by then. All the advanced analytics say it's never a good idea. I mean, I do think Tyone has the stuff to do it. I just think maybe he ran off gas because it was opening day and we're talking the seventh inning. So he's a guy I'm definitely going after. Um, Marte, another – speaking of the Pirates. Yeah, late scratch there with migraines. Yeah, it was just – that was frustrating because I didn't get him out of any of my lineups, and I have Marte, including our listeners league, in a lot of places. Just I hope that's not – because migraines could be something that people deal with and have a hard time playing through. It's just one of those weird injuries that can cause an IL. So definitely want to keep an eye on that. His replacement was what, Melky? No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> not right, me. yeah. Melky Cabrera, you can keep <laughs> Yeah, him. Melky Cabrera was in that lineup for him. Uh, you know, and then on the other side, we had uh, Luis Castillo. Five and two-thirds, one earned run, eight strikeouts. That's another thing, you know, with Castillo is you'd like to see him be a little more efficient you want to see him get those quality starts. I don't know how many times last year we see those 5.2 innings, 5.1 innings. Like you just, you want to see him get to six innings. Um, now the strikeouts are nice and it is really good to see him, you know, only giving up one, one run. So um, I, I really do. I like Castillo. I like Castillo a lot. We just hope that, you know, he can go a little deeper and, and pick up those quality starts. Yeah. And then Rysel Iglesias, he pitched in one and a third innings. Uh, I think he was only charged with one run. Uh, he did walk two guys, only one strikeout. I don't have Iglesias anywhere. He, he was a guy who last year, he outpitched his peripherals. He did have a good 2.38 ERA with a 4.23 FIP and 3.53 XFIP. But last year, he was giving up a lot more hard contact. His uh, hard hit rate went up 10% um, from 2017 over to 2018. In that park, the way that they use him, I guess it just comes with the territory of being a multi-inning guy. You're going to have outings like that. I'm not really too sure what to think about about Iglesias. Um, I don't think he's, they're going to remove him from the closer role. I think he's going to keep that role. I think he's going to have some up and down stretches for sure. Well, I think they and they said it coming into the season, but they were talking about they're going to use him more of a, a different type of relief pitch. They're going to use him more for the unconventional saves the basically what hater did yesterday or the hater role even they're talking about using him in two inning roles so he's gonna get a lot of two inning saves if he gets any and that's gonna right. limit his saves from you know instead of a 30 save upside he might only have 20 to 25 so you gotta look maybe amir garrett maybe maybe michael lorenzen those are guys that if you're really really in need for saves in your league and those are like roto leagues that you really need saves you have to go out and get them, I guess, or you not have to, but I would definitely keep an eye on them, see which one of them gets the same opportunities when Iglesias, like yesterday it was, a Garrett, it was Garrett who couldn't finish out the game, but <laughs> he was the one who got brought in to close. Yeah, no, I think uh, Garrett came out for one hitter and then it was David Hernandez who actually picked up the save. But I mean, Iglesias had the opportunity. Yeah, he had the opportunity to get that multi-inning inning save. Uh, he, he just couldn't finish, finish it off. It'd be really hard to tell who, who would be the next guy up, but uh, Hernandez did pick up the save. 
Yeah, just I'm avoiding. <laughs> Iglesias or nothing. Yeah, exactly. I guess one thing that kind of was encouraging for the Reds, last little note, is that Puig, well, not just for the Reds, but for Puig owners. Puig, with Jeanette out, looks like he's going to be hitting third. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I love seeing Puig hitting third. I think that's great for his value. He was projected to hit, I think, fifth or so with the original uh, lineup before the injuries and such. So if you, if you liked him before, you should definitely like him now. Now, the Rockies and Marlins, uh, I'm just a little upset. I, I had some false optimism that maybe the Marlins could hang, at least for the first game, with the Rockies, especially at home, when the Rockies are known to be a better home team than road team. But yeah. I'm looking at the Rockies lineup, and honestly, I forgot, and I'm actually really pleased with looking at it, top to bottom, Blackman, Murphy, Arenado, Story, Dahl, Desmond, McMahon, Ionetta. Ionetta's terrible, but Ionetta, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's probably the, the fact that that's kind of the weak spot that suggests – great things this lineup could actually be good on the road this year and ian desmond he's, i mean that that's only because i, I want to see garrett hampson in that lineup <laughs> oh yeah uh, and i think i think most if not all fantasy owners and even real life people want to see hampson i think hampson offers more upside but and he's probably a better player overall at this point in desmond's career compared to hampson's but yeah, yeah, they do have a strong lineup, though. They do. They they didn't announce, you know, a, a starting second baseman until really late. Um, you know, they did give McMahon the start there. He was batting seventh. I would like to see him batting a little higher, maybe ahead of uh, Ian Desmond. They have definitely have a good lineup there. Um, I know I have David Dahl in a lot of places, so it was nice to see him. You know, off to a good start as well. Freeland had a strong outing, seven innings, one earned run, five strikeouts. Dude, it was great. I mean. As much as I love my Marlins, you have to be – dude, even Tyler Anderson, when, that, when he starts, stream him. If he starts against – if he has a start lineup against Miami. I think – it was on Twitter a little bit yesterday because I was just – I was upset about the fact that Reds aren't a team you can kind of aim at for streaming pitchers. But the Marlins, the Giants, there's a few teams you just have to str- – and unfortunately, that, those are our teams. Yeah. <laughs> those are a couple teams you, like, you have to str- – pick and choose where you, who you're streaming against, and the Marlins are one of those teams you definitely aim for. Now, too bad Zach's not on today's episode because, obviously, Story hitting a home run. He's probably, like, super excited. McMahon getting the starting spot and, and you know, hitting seventh. It doesn't matter where he's hitting. The fact that McMahon is starting over Hampson, you know, Zach is super excited. Those are two of his guys. I'm sure he'll be on next episode to be able to talk him up a little bit and show his excitement. It's hard to tell when he's excited, though. His voice is the same when he's excited and when he's uh, angry. So Right. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing that one from him later. <laughs> now, obviously looking at the Marlins, Urania, I, he's, not, he's not one of the Marlins pitchers I was drafting. He's actually probably the only one I wasn't touching. I'm, so, I'm excited about a lot, a lot of the other ones, maybe even all of them, but not Urania. Garrett Cooper hitting fourth. That's your deeper league, a little bit of power potential. Alfaro hit a home run, and catcher is a wasteland, so that's relevant. That's relevant. He did, yeah. Alfaro, I mean, it's not going to take much to get to, you know, finish as a number one catcher, you know, in the top 10, top 12. So Alfaro, he's someone that does have a, a ton of power. I don't think he did move from Philly to Miami, which is worst park to hit in for power. Yeah, there's opportunity and he's got the power that'll play, you know, in, in a lot of parks. So seeing him hit, what, sixth, sixth in the lineup, uh, he did have that ho- have that home run. So if you're someone who, you know, waited really late on catcher, 
you can you can pick them up. I might be picking them up, you know, in like twelve team leagues uh, where I'm rostering, uh, you know, Young Gomes or uh, maybe a Wellington Castillo type. Yeah, it makes sense. You guys, just like tight end, you stream the hot one, man. Just right. like tight end in football, you stream the hot catcher and hope you get a few games. Now, if it's a weekly lineup, you just throw one in there and pray. So that's there's not much to this game. This series as a whole, it's going to be a lot of Rockies highlights and little to no Marlins highlights. I've already accepted it. But the Twins and Cleveland Indians game, that was just a straight pitching duel. But I'm wondering why. It was a 2-0 to zero game. Kluber, yes. Kluber threw a pretty solid – I mean, he threw seven innings, only 79 pitches. And that was – and I believe it was the seventh inning when he gave up the two runs to Marvin Gonzalez on the double. So Yeah. Uh, you, had Barry, you had Barrios have a really, really solid start. 7.2 innings. Two hit ball, 10 Ks, and that was efficient because he only had 96 pitches. But I'm not sure if that speaks to Barrios being the potential ace or the breakout ace that a lot of people like as much as just look at look at that Cleveland lineup. Just look at it. Please, if you don't have it up, pull it up. That AL Central bump is real this year, man. Yeah, yeah. Really the 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 AL Central you know, you want to talk about streaming pitchers. You know, a lot of those teams you could you could stream pitchers against. Except for the Twins, probably. Except for, yeah, the Twins might actually have the strongest lineup. Nonetheless, it was really good to see Barrios go out there and have a strong start. You know, you kind of expect it with Nolan Dorr, banged up Jose Ramirez, and really not much else in that Indians lineup. But still, you know, seven and two-thirds innings, 10 strikeouts. Really good to see from from Barrios. He's someone that has always pitched really well at home um, and he's had some road struggles. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can improve on that, you know, and then with Kluber guys are still getting stretched out. Kluber is someone who had a little bit of injuries here and there over the last couple of years. Uh, the back has been a problem, just little bothersome uh, injuries. So maybe taking it slow with him, stretch him out. He didn't, I mean, they could have, he also could have pitched nine innings with at 79 pitches through seven. But, yeah, I don't blame him for pulling him. Definitely play, you want to play it safe on opening day. Not like Scherzer, who pitched, what, 110, 110 pitches or something crazy? I don't know, man. I, I think I'm going to be like Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson's a good pitcher to be streaming. I'm just looking at the potential pitchers against Cleveland. Because, I mean, you look at this Cleveland lineup. Leonis Martin, Jose Martinez obviously stands out as a stud. But he has no support. He, he's the number three hitters. Nate, like, really? Why is Naquin hitting third? Carlos Santana's okay. Hanley Ramirez, I'm not sure if there's any gas in the tank. Jake Bowers, he's all right. He's he had a decent hit tool in the minors, came up and struggled to the end of, struggled at the end of the season last year, so that's yet to be determined. Roberto Perez at catcher. Brad Miller, who I think they just signed off waivers or just something. Like he, he wasn't even on the team like two weeks ago. And then I've never even heard of Stamets. Right. <laughs> Stamets, is their, Stamets is their shortstop. I've never even heard of him. Just to give you an idea, I mean, Lindor is not going to fix this. Lindor is going to help, but it's not going to fix this. They, they are in trouble. They might honestly need to sell an ace or a starter just to help with their offense because their offense is terrible. Or just bring up – oh, they do have Cargo coming up, I guess, right? They have him in the minor leagues probably getting uh, some reps. Yeah. And don't forget my boy Mercado. Just give him a shot, man. He can't be – there's no way he's worse than Brad Miller. Or Stamets. And he actually played shortstop prior to being converted to an outfielder. I'm just very pro Mercado, so I'm always going to bring him up. Yeah, definitely. Um, you want to see that lineup improve because the Indians, you know, as strong as pitching, you know, as strong as their pitching is, you know, their hitting it leaves a lot to be desired right there. 
Uh, just one more note, I guess, on, on this game. Uh, uh, Taylor Rogers came out and, and got the save, pitched one in the third inning, three strikeouts. It, it was a little surprising. A lot of people thought maybe, is it going to be Trevor May? Is it going to be Blake Parker? And Taylor Rogers came out. Now, Rogers, looking into it, he had a really strong second half last year. He had a sub-1 ERA and a 34% strikeout rate. So he was actually really strong in the second half last year. That's another situation. You know, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a set closer any one of these guys, I don't expect to get, you know, more than 20 saves a piece. I, I can't really put my finger on, on any one of them, really. But uh, Rogers, just, you know, the fact that he got the save opportunity and then looking into his second half last year, you know, he, he's interesting to keep an eye on, though. Yeah, it's definitely a situation to monitor. But at this point, I, I mean, I was I had a little bit of Trevor May, a little bit of Blake Parker. I have no Rogers. And I'm not even going to bother trying to make sense of this. I'm probably just going to avoid the position as a whole. Like that, not the position, obviously, but that situation the as a situation. whole. situation. If I have Trevor May, if I have Blake Parker, I'm going to wait for one of them to get a save and then try to ship them for whatever I can get. <laughs> if you have them in like a, you know, Roto League, hold on to them to get those saves. But I just don't expect any one of them to get be over the right, 20, you know. yeah, To be the regular closer, I get it. This next game really surprised me. It was the uh, San Francisco Giants versus the Padres. And the score was only 2-0. The Padres won. That wasn't the surprising part as far as the Padres winning. It was the fact that they only scored two runs because everybody, I'm talking about industry-wide, it was rare to find somebody high on Bumgarner. People were taking him at his discount compared to last year. But he came out and threw a gem, man. As a Giants fan, you've, you've got to be pleased to see that. We're talking seven innings pitched. Five hits, two earned runs, only one walk, nine Ks, and it was efficient. Only 92, in, uh, only 92 pitches that it took them to get to those sevens. Now, obviously, your offense is terrible. Honestly, there's not even somebody – I don't think I have one of, a share of, of a single one of your hitters on, on any of my team this year. That's that, – that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just sorry. I mean, there's just nothing – fantasy-wise, you guys are terrible up and down. You might be, the, you might be worse than the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, I mean – Connor Joe, Michael Reed. I mean, who, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I don't even think I have any shares of, of my Giants there, except for maybe um, some of the pitchers. I don't have any Bumgarner. It was really nice to see him, you know, pitch a good game. The nine strikeouts were surprising, really. Um, watching that game, you know, he did throw a lot more off-speed stuff. So, you know, as guys get older, as they get more innings on those uh, arms, you see them start to adjust. I think Bumgarner's coming up on that time in his career where he's going to have to make those adjustments and maybe not rely on his fastball so much. At the same time, the Padres, they, they don't exactly have the most contact-oriented you know, lineup. It'll be interesting to see you know, if they trade him at the, dead, at the trade deadline. Well, uh, he's a free agent this year, isn't he? Yeah, they haven't extended him. And Bumgarner's, you know, he's made some comments recently, you know, saying that he understands that this could be, you know, these could be his last games as a, as a giant. So I wouldn't be too surprised if they trade him, which does it hurt him? Does it help him as far as the team context? Uh, which park is he going to go to if he is traded? So the, the fact that he, he did get those strikeouts is encouraging. We'll see if, if he can make those adjustments. Now, as talented as he is and, and as he's always been, it wouldn't surprise me if if he was able to overcome his his shortcomings over the last couple of years, yeah, he just wasn't someone that I, I wanted to take that gamble on uh, where he was going in the draft. I'm kind of on board with you, and I think a lot of, I guess a lot, a lot of analysts across the 
industry are kind of among the same th- uh, line of thoughts. This could be a great sell high opportunity. Again, spying low and selling high with pitchers, it can start as early as day two of fantasy season. So that's why keep in mind, like right now, if you can, t- if I could take, if I had Mad Bum, which I have, again, I have none, but if I had him, I would try to flip him for a Tyone or even a Grinky. Again, we'll get to Grinky. He's a buy low candidate too, but it can't hurt. You, people see these stats, people might think, oh, he's back. Or it could be the fact that San Diego has a pretty aggressive free swinging lineup, but their lineup, a couple things stood out. One, Will Myers hitting second in front of Machado which wasn't the case, I think, in spring or even the projected lineup. Machado hitting third doesn't really change his value that, as much. It gives him a little more RBI opportunity probably. But then Fran Mill Reyes hitting cleanup. Renfro wasn't even in the game. And Mad Bum's a lefty. And I'm pretty sure Renfro smashes lefties. So well, I, I know Reyes. I know Reyes is really good against lefties. Yeah, but I think so. I think that's also what's his um, – I think that's also Renfro's strength. So that's concerning. I mean – it's obviously going to be a squeeze for playing time there. You know, they were going to, they tried Myers out in center field. He couldn't hack it in spring. He was pretty terrible apparently. Mm-hmm. So Margot just by, just by need in center field, Margot is going to get that shot. So that's why he's in the lineup. And so if you need some steals, he might be, you know, a cheap source. He might be a free agent, but not somebody I would go target right now. Tatis two for three in his debut. Nothing, yeah. Nothing flashy. Just the fact that he's hitting, the fact that he hit for, uh, for average, though, the fact that he didn't just, you know, swing for the fences was nice. Yeah, yeah, I was really encouraged with Tatis yesterday. You know, you, you don't know what to expect uh, with someone so young and getting the opportunity. He was batting sixth, and his second hit of the, of the game came on a bunt that he put down the third baseline, and he just flew flew down to first base uh, and, and beat it out easily. So, you know, these guys are, are going to be so fun to watch this season. He did get caught stealing, but the, the fact that, you know, he, he did run, uh, I, I'm really, I was really encouraged with what I saw from Tatis yesterday. Yeah, definitely. He definitely brings some excitement to the game as a whole, fantasy and reality purposes. But, yeah, and, and I got to think with that speed, he, he's going to have um, a, a good BABIP. It, it's just the, the aggressiveness, you know, how much he's, he's going to strike out. That's, that's really something to keep an eye on. Oh, for sure. And if I didn't mention it, I'm going to now. My buddy Myers got yeah. home run. <laughs> I was really happy. I have Myers on 70, 80% of my leagues, and that's out of 20 leagues. So you could do the math. It's it's a vast majority for sure. I have I honestly haven't done a count because it's just hard to it's just hard to sit there and sit sit down and really do it, but it's a good majority of my league. So Myers, 30-30, baby. Come on, bring it. <laughs> well, Speaking of Grinky, because it's about time. I brought him up twice now. This Dodger game was an absolute just just home runs galore. Just every, every, every hit was a home run, it feels like. Sorry, the Dodgers went ahead and won the game 12-5 to against the Diamondbacks. And Grinky just – I looked up some of his – I was trying to look up his velocity data, but I couldn't find any this morning. So I don't think it's been released yet, or at least it hasn't been updated. But I know he's probably sitting – He's been, he was sitting, you know, in the 80s, which is normal for him, but maybe he's just just a bad start. I mean, I don't know. I, he's definitely somebody that one start, just like anybody else, one start isn't going to make me think differently. It's funny because I actually have no Grinky, but I'm all for buying him low. Uh, so Because I think, I think he still has another year left in the tank as far as just being a decent, solid 200-inning, 200, 200 strikeout pitcher. I think that's still reality for him. 
Yeah, the Dodgers really teed off on him. I think setting a record for the most opening day home runs with eight home runs as a team. Granke, he's someone that I, you know, I don't have any shares of. He gave up 28 home runs last year. So that's, you know, that's, that's a little concerning. Yeah, that's a little concerning there. The, the fact that, you know, the, the Dodgers were, you know, he wasn't fooling anyone yesterday. Um, now, I, I don't expect him to go out and, and get blown up every game. And, and like you said, it could be a good buy low opportunity. But it, it, it is concerning, you know, to see that, that he's getting hit hard. And obviously, I'm going to tell you right now, Jock Peterson, that two home run game, that really stands out. And it's not even just the, home, the two home runs. He needs to be added in at least 12 team mixed leagues. I have him. I have him in a few leagues yesterday, starting because of necessity in deeper formats, which worked out for me. But I think he should be added not just because of the two home runs, but they they he hit leadoff, and the fact that he hit leadoff and they had Pollock hitting fifth, and it wouldn't surprise me. But I expect that to either be flipped or I expected it to be flipped. Either way, I thought Pollock would be hitting leadoff and Peterson would be in that five six range. So. If this is what if this is what's going to be what's normal going forward, I really like Jock Peterson a lot more. All of a sudden, he was a hot ad in daily waiver leagues that I'm in. Like I got outbid, like I use fad bidding in some of my leagues, and I got outbid on him by a couple bucks every time. So if I didn't already own him, he was taken. Kike Hernandez, another another guy who had two home runs. He was a guy we actually covered last episode about being waiver wire ad, a possible Jeanette replacement. So you're welcome. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, he was another guy that I'm, I'm glad I got ahead of that one because, again, these, this isn't going to be normal. These guys all teed off, all had a huge game. But it's still something you like to see. And these guys are all going to be hot ads. So I would, I would probably put Peterson over Hernandez. A big part of it's, again, the fact that he's hitting what appears to be leadoff. That's, that's huge. I think that's great for his value. No. Yeah, that's a big boost for Peterson for sure. Now, I, I would uh, caution, you know, adding him in weekly leagues because he, you know, is supposed to be platooning with Chris Taylor. Uh, so if you see that, you know, the, the Dodgers have a, a week where they're facing multiple lefties, I'd probably keep him out of your lineup in a weekly league. But yeah, he, he's definitely a good add in a daily league, 12 team mixed league for sure. Now, that's a good call. Good call to pick him up there. With the Dodgers, you did like you said. I, I do. I agree. Daily, not weekly, because you still have Verdugo. You still have Chris Taylor. These are guys that are still going to get their playing time. Probably. I don't see why they would have brought Verdugo up without the occasional start. So, and Chris Taylor was a starter literally up until about a week ago when he wasn't named one anymore. So you got to think he's going to be super utility. Kike Hernandez, they could probably get both those guys in the lineup any given day. So again, daily leagues. I would temper expectations as well because again, it's the Dodgers. It's and. If you're a fantasy baseball fan, you probably know my my explanation or my excuse of well, it's the Dodgers. <laughs> that's that's pretty self-explanatory. They just do they like they like to play a lot, play around a lot with lineups and play matchups and put phantom injuries on people and kind of just annoy fantasy players as a whole. And what stood out about the Diamondbacks was their uh, batting batting order as well. Adam Jones was hitting leadoff. That was awesome. That was great. Gives him a little boost because you know he's probably going to stay in that spot. Not the best OBP guy, so it was kind of surprising. I expected more of a two or three hole from him, but seeing him leading off and Catel Marte hitting sixth, I'm a big. I was a big Catel Marte guy, but a lot of it was because he was supposed to be hitting leadoff. So, and the fact that he wasn't hitting top two and he has decent on base skills, that really threw me off. Now, I'm not necessarily dropping him yet, but. 
I don't like him hitting six. That really hurts his value in my eyes. Yeah, I think some of that had to do with them facing lefties. I think, you know, Adam Jones is probably the strongest guy in that lineup that's going to be the strongest against left-handed pitchers. We'll, we'll see how that plays out, you know, when they, when they face a righty. Yeah, that was definitely surprising to see Adam Jones there. And then now, you know, with the unfortunate Steven Souza injury, he should be getting you know, everyday playing time. So if you picked up Jones late, you know, when, when he signed, you know, he's probably going to give you some good value there. I mean, he hit a home run yesterday. That's not a bad yeah. start. Yeah, not a bad start at all. Wilmer Flores hitting third was also a little surprising. I, just, I mean, I guess I wasn't sure what to expect. I figured Peralta would hit third, Flores maybe fifth or fourth. Because I expected Jake Lamb in the lineup, and Lamb wasn't in the lineup yesterday. He didn't even get a pinch hit opportunity. Right, and I do know that Tori Lavolo, um, he did say that Lamb would be someone that has to earn his playing time uh, against Ooh. lefties. Now, you know, you, you're going to expect him in the lineup against, against right-handed pitchers because he's always crushed right-handed pitching. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have to earn that playing time against lefties uh, as, as, far as, as far as that's concerned. Well, it doesn't help when Christian Walker got the, got the start at first base and he hit a home run yesterday. So, Yeah, that doesn't help Lamb's case at all against left-handers. Now, Christian Walker, he's literally, I looked it up today, he's owned in 1% of Yahoo leagues. Keep an eye on him, though. I mean, it can't hurt if, if he starts taking some of the righty at-bats from Lamb. He could be relevant down the road. I'm definitely not picking him up now. He's definitely more of a wait-and-see and, see and just never know, man. These, those are the type of guys that come mid-season, if they get full-time gigs, could be a good boost to your lineups because he obviously has the power. It's a matter of opportunity. And right now it seems like he's on the weak side of a platoon, so I'm not touching him. But if he gains that full-time starters gig, at a, again, it goes back to being first base being kind of weak, he could be relevant, even in mixed leagues. 12-team – 10-team leagues are hard to get relevant – to become relevant in because they're so loaded. But 12-team right. leagues – 12-team leagues, especially the ones with your five outfielders, middle infielder, utilities, et cetera, et cetera. It's not hard to be relevant in those leagues. So he's definitely – I think he's definitely a deeper league name to keep an eye on. Again, 1% of the league, so he's not – I don't think he's worth rostering yet. We're, we're down to the home stretch here, the final two games of the day. The Royals and White Sox game. The Royals went ahead and won this game 5-3. to three. This one got off to a late start because of the inclement weather over there. I mean, the excitement was there, though. I mean, Moncada actually bat second, which was nice, went one for three. You had Eloy. Eloy hit fifth, which is, I guess, to be expected. I mean, I like that he's not hitting third or fourth right away. That gives him a chance to get comfortable. I think he will get to third or fourth as the season goes on. Yeah, I think he'll get there. But uh, I think the one that surprised me the most as far as where they're hitting was Tim Anderson. He's hitting, what, seventh? He's not a great hitter. I, I get it. He's very aggressive. He's similar to a Moncada type. But that kind of hurts him for stolen bases. The lower you hit in the lineup, the lower, bats, the lower the amount of the bats you get, which lowers the amount of opportunities you have to get on base, so, so, far, so on and so forth. I think that does put a little bit of a hit to his, his, to his value. I think his own bases – I still think he's a 20-20 threat, but I just don't think he's going to have as many opportunities, so he could come up short on that 20 stolen base side of things. Yeah, I mean, you'd almost rather see him hitting ninth in, in that case, you know, being that low down in the lineup. I don't know when it comes to Anderson. I have, a, I have very few shares, mostly in Roto Leagues, specifically 5x5, five five because he doesn't usually completely drain your average while offering power-speed combination. But it, at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if you're dropping him in a month from now. So just, again, that, that was a little bit surprising, but nothing else really stood out from this lineup. Rodon pitched okay, better than I expected, but this goes back to being AL Central boost. He faced the Royals, who we'll get to their lineup in a minute, but 
Rodon, 5.1 innings pitch, three hits, three runs, only two of which were earned. Six Ks and only one walk were encouraging, and they let him pitch 101 pitches. Yeah. Not, not bad. That wasn't 5.1 innings, though. So that's a lot of pitches to be throwing in such a short amount of time. But nonetheless, that's still encouraging, especially coming from a guy who didn't have a good spring. I'm rooting for him. He has the pedigree. He has the stuff. It's a matter of him putting it together. But otherwise, let's take a look at the Kansas City Royals. Whit Merrifield led off. He had two stolen bases. Perfect type of thing you're looking for. From right. Him, so. Yeah. If you drafted like a Trey Turner and Whit Merrifield, like how many steals were you expecting to get this year? You thought maybe you can touch a hundred steals with the, between those two, and you, to get five in one day. Yeah, that that's definitely that's that's great to see him getting those two steals there. And then Mondesi hitting second. You know, I I saw a lot of people in an uproar that he got two triples. Like you know, just stop at second or stop at first and, and steal the next two bases. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, for, fa- for fantasy purposes, triples so, suck. Yeah, I mean, unless you're in a points league. If you drafted Mondesi high in a roto league, you know, that's you are you were expecting to get those steals and to see him hit two triples, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a little frustrating because you, you know that he can, he can get to third just as easily stealing those bases. Exactly. I mean, I'm okay with it because I don't have Mondesi anywhere, so whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. I'm very, and I'm very down on him. So for him to do anything good, I, I, no, I'm kidding. I never root for anybody to do bad, but I do prefer to be right. So a couple of things that stood out here: Solaire hitting fourth, which we knew, but he had two. He went two for four with two RBIs and a double. So that's good to see. He has the pedigree. He has the potential. Last year he was flashing it a little bit before the injuries. He was somebody we talked about on the waiver wire on the last episode about waiver wires. Other, other than the Indians, the pitching in this division isn't that strong so the pitchers although they get a boost as a whole the few good hitters also get a boost so it's a little give and take in that division I think I think the biggest thing for me which is really upsetting I had a lot of O'Hearn coming into the season he was like that last round pick I took for that power upside and Frank Swindell came in and decides you know what I'm gonna start first base day one I'm not sure if that's gonna be the regular like ongoing thing for this lineup but it was still noticeable, and he was hitting fifth nonetheless. Granted, the team isn't that deep as far as hitters go. Schwindel's just a guy. I mean, I went, I went around adding him in deeper leagues, dropping O'Hearn for him, essentially. I don't know if that was a little premature, but I know, like, in fan tracks leagues, he has catcher eligibility. So I was like, sweet, I'm going to grab him, scoop him up, because the fact that he has catcher eligibility in fan tracks, and not Yahoo, first of all, that really blew my mind. The fact that fan tracks had something Yahoo didn't, wow. <laughs> Yahoo's, Yahoo's super liberal with their position eligibility. So Schwindel's going to get first base eligibility. He's, I think he's going to be the starter. And if that's the case, he could have some sneaky little upside. I mean, if you were drafting O'Hearn, I think Schwindel offers the same type of uh, upside, same type of value, same type of numbers. Yeah, and, and that could be a platoon situation too. So, you know, don't I wouldn't take too much away from the first day. They did face Rodon, who is a lefty. So – the fact that Schwindel was in the lineup in the first day kind of, you know, hints to that being a platoon situation. Yeah, I mean, it could be a platoon. Wouldn't surprise me at all. But Schwindel did post a 842 OPS with 24 home runs and 93 RBIs over 134 games last year for AAA or in AAA. Just to give you an idea, so he offers that same type of power and pop in his bat and I guess some on-base skills as well, being that his OPS was almost 850. It wouldn't be surprised if you got the full-time gig over O'Hearn, but it could be more of a platoon. Either way, just watch it. It's a deep league thing anyway. Realistically, it probably makes 
O'Hearn and Swindell droppable because I don't want a guy who's going to be platooning pretty much on the end of my bench anyway. I want a guy with a full-time gig. That's a personal preference now. But Brad Keller, speaking of uh, screen pitchers in the AL Central, he had a strong outing. Seven innings pitch, two hits, one walk, five Ks, and, nine, and only threw 92 pitches. So no earned runs, only one walk. I mean, that's impressive. And I, I know, and the White Sox aren't a terrible offense. They're young. They, they're not great, but they're still decent. And Keller went out and said, oh, yeah, hold, hold, hold my beer. Watch this. And he, you know, he, he, gave, he gave a little show and did pretty well. He did. Yeah, he did. I mean, he had a pretty strong year last year, um, you know, with the uh, 308 ERA. He's not going to get the strikeouts. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's someone that you could pick up at the end of your, your bench there. It was it was good to see him going seven innings strong, you know, not giving up a run. And like we've mentioned, that division, you know, is, is, is really weak. So, you know, maybe in a points league where you're going to get some, uh, points for, like, quality starts – you know, he's, he's a name to, to watch there, too. And I think he has relief pitcher eligibility. I could be wrong. That's off the top of my head. But I, th- I want to say he does, which would definitely make him more valuable in a points league for sure because then you could put him in your relief pitcher spot. I know he's RP eligible in Yahoo. That's what I was getting at. Okay. Yeah, he is. Okay, so perfect. Yeah. Now, the weird – I guess the final note I'll make on this matchup or on this game was their ninth inning deal. They, I guess the first shot went to Willie Peralta to close. He gave up in point one innings, he gave up a hit, a walk, and two earned runs. So then they brought up, they brought in Diekman. Diekman gave up a third run <laughs> and a walk. Yeah. And then, so after Diekman gave up that walk and the, and the, and a third run, they brought in Boxberger for one, for one out and Boxberger got the save. That's another situation. I guess I, you don't know who the real closer is. Boxberger got the final chance, but he, oh, sorry. Boxberger got the fourth chance because they brought in McCarthy after Diekman, who gave up a hit and a walk. Wow. Yeah. So, so Peralta, yeah. Diekman, McCarthy, Boxberger, in that order is how they came in. None of them could close the game. Boxberger got the final out to close it. I don't – I'm not, just no. Peralta drop, Boxberger drop, I don't care. The team is bad. The situation, that just yesterday just really blows my mind. It was a mess. I would guess Peralta still probably gets the next shot, but no, I'm just not interested. Another situation where I'm just avoiding it. Exactly. And the final game of a glorious, glorious opening day. Red Sox, Mariners. Now, there's a lot to talk about in this game, but I know I'm going to try to keep it brief. Sale, I couldn't find any, anything about his velocity. I'm guessing it was a little low from what I was hearing from the general fans and such. Velocity was still a little bit low. Not that hard. Yeah, he's his average uh, velocity in this game uh, on his fastball was uh, ninety two point nine. It did max out at ninety five point one, and last year his average was ninety five point four. So it could just be a matter of him, you know, building that up. He did only pitch nine innings in the spring. Sale was someone was one of those you know top pitchers that were were a little concerned about this off season, you know, just because of how he ended last year, uh, and then you know with the extension, it kind of relieved some of those worries. But now here we are, you know, after a three-inning, seven-earned run performance, you know, some of those worries might be coming back. But, you know, I, I wouldn't really look too much into it. The, the fact that he was able to max out at right around what his average was last year just, just tells me that, you know, it's probably just going to take him a while to get back up to that um, and, and get, you know, knock the rust off, get into the groove of things. I don't know how much of a discount 
I don't know how much of a discount you can get on sale right now, but you might be able, he might be somebody that you can target, maybe see if he has another bad outing and then go after him. Maybe try to play on the owner's fear of him being hurt and playing, and you know what I mean? So that could be a good little, that could be a good, you know, buy low target. Speaking of the Red Sox, Devers hitting third was a nice little surprise. And I know John was happy. <laughs> John been Yeah, John's a big Devers guy. And that, yeah, he, that was encouraging for him, you know, to see him batting third. I think, but I think most of the talking points here are definitely going to be on the Seattle side of things. You had, yeah, you had Marco Gonzalez, who I have a lot of, but he's way better in points leagues for sure. He actually pitched a solid five innings. He came back out for the sixth and gave up two more runs. Even with those two runs, he still had four Ks. He's, again, better for points leagues because he's a contact, he's a pitch to contact type of guy. He got the win, and, you know, at the end of the day, wins are hard to come by. He's having a pretty solid start. I mean, his ERA is 4.76 combined on the year and a 1.5 whip, so nothing to go right home about. But I think there's better things coming for Gonzalez. I think he's going to be solid, I, and I, do, I see a decent little breakout coming his way. That's a personal belief of mine. I like Gonzalez. Yeah, and that team might actually be better than you know, what we thought. They had a massive overhaul this, this offseason, so uh, you know, he might be able to pick up a, little, a few more wins than, than what we were initially expecting. Dude, this lineup is something. I mean, yesterday they rolled out a whole new batting order. Like, the way Hanniger was leading off, Domingo Santana, which, by the way, I love Santana. He was actually on my original My Guys list, but we had to narrow it down to three each to, you know, so it wasn't so long. And that's a little bit of a wish I – this is me just saying I wish I put him on there because then I would have a little bit of credit for putting him out there. Yeah. But <laughs> Domingo Santana, he's on fire to start the year. Hanniger's having a solid start to the year. Both of them are actually batting 333 on the year already. Uh, but Hanger's leading off. So, and just to give you an idea, that changes his value a little bit. He was expected to be a two or three hole hitter. And now that he's leading off just yesterday, he had two runs. And, uh, you know what I mean? So he gets on base a good amount. It's going to change his, his – if he stays sticks with the leadoff spot, it's going to go from RBIs to runs. But everything else should remain the same. The Domingo Santana is the one that is really interesting. Batting in the two hole, he's earning every bit of batting – second in this lineup i mean he went three for five yesterday with another home run four rbis i think he has nine on the year already with two or three home runs already it's it's absurd he's he's having a hot start yeah yeah definitely and now you know i don't expect you know, we did see you know malik smith batting seventh he was projected to be the leadoff hitter and i still think that's going to be the case you know he is coming off an injury so i would expect him to move into that leadoff spot and then move hanniger down to second uh you know and then maybe we see domingo to third everyone just moved down you know one spot cuz they did have bruce batting cleanup um so i mean you know first day you know malix's you know first game back from injury um maybe they're just you know taking it slow with him easing him back in Bruce is struggling to start the year. I don't know what happened to him, man. The guy's still pretty young. I mean, I think he's still in his 20s, which I feel like he's been around for like 80 years. But he's having a rough start to the year. He's hitting under 100. And Healy is actually starting off the year pretty much on fire as well, hitting 308 on the year. And he had another home run yesterday as well. And if he keeps up, if he keeps this up, which he's not going to hit 300, but if he hits around 250, but still five, he's going to, he has this power. This is what he does. He hits these home runs. He could stick at first base. Bruce could be on the bench or shipped out because I think they want to trade Bruce anyway because Seager's coming back. That's why. So I think Healy has some legitimate staying power. It might be worth a grab on the off the waiver wire as well if you're looking for power. Uh, yeah, and then, and then we had Tim Beckham. I mean, 
Tim yeah. Beckham with two home runs. I just I don't I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't I, I'm not I had it's funny because I had Beckham out of a necessity in a 16 team dynasty league. Like I had no shortstops and he was on the waiver wire before the season started. I'm like um I guess because I remember Tim Beckham being relevant once upon a time like three years ago. Yeah, well, he had a really strong 2017 with uh, Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. So I don't. I was like, eh, why not? Like, I literally, I'm not. I'm not taking credit. I had no idea this was coming. I don't think anybody did. I was. I was saying yesterday. I was talking a little bit about it. Talking with, uh, I think you guys and on Twitter. I was like, you know what? Sell high. But I was like, wait, you have to own him first. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, he's definitely one of the highest, ad, uh, the biggest ads. This isn't sustainable. It's just not. But with that being said, we've seen him do something similar before. Like, like, like you were talking about, you hit on the Orioles with the Orioles that he, sh- he flashes type of potential. Give it a week. If he's still doing it, sell high. Domingo Santana, by the way, circling back to selling high, Domingo Santana, sell high. But at the same time, in the same breath, add him. I, I, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be universally owned at this point. There's nothing – I can't find – I couldn't picture a team good enough not to – find somebody to drop for him he should be he, last time i looked was he was 60 percent owned on yahoo he should be damn near 100 percent. honestly maybe not 10 team leagues again because that's tougher to make drops but maybe even 10 team leagues i don't know what's on those types of benches i don't own a 10 team league to be honest so yeah neither santana, do i <laughs> santana needs to be owned I, I i don't i don't think i can stress that enough add him yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If he's not added, make sure you go ahead and change that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky enough to be one of those leagues, because, man, I, I even got trade offered from today, which I should have pressed accept on it faster because I think it got taken down. <laughs> but it was uh, Profar. And the fact that it was Profar, but it was Profar and Lariano, or Lariano, however you say the name for the A's. Yeah, Ramon Lariano. Ramon Lariano and Profar for just Domingo Santana. And I should have I should have instant accepted that, but I – played around with it, and I was like, no, and I countered because I really don't like Lariano that much. But I digress. Probably should have instant accepted it because it's probably as good as it's going to get. But at the same time, I don't know. That's how high I am on Domingo Santana. Yeah, I mean, he's got that just that tantalizing potential, you know? Like, he can hit 30 home runs and still 15 bases. He's done it. Or was it 12 bases? Sorry. (laughs) I think it was something like that. It was right around 15. But, he, yeah, he's done it. And the fact that he's going to get everyday playing time, even in a bad park, it doesn't matter. He had his power plays. He's it's just it's hard. Like that offer sounds like it should have been an instant accept, but I just couldn't do it. And I think it's just maybe it's a little bit biased because I do have a lot of Santana and I'm really I'm really hoping that he's coming back to form. But I don't know. I, I, I could be looking back in a week from now and being like, that was stupid. I should have instant accepted it. But I I, I no hashtag no regrets, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that covers opening day, guys. That was a lot of fun to talk about, a lot of fun to follow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was fun. And, I mean, the juiced ball is back. I mean, all those home runs yesterday. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. And that was, it was just so much fun. I, I, yeah, I started that thread on Twitter, and, man, did I regret it. I, think I, I don't know how you one. kept up with that. <sighs> it was tiring. I was literally posting <laughs> two or three at a time because, like, every time I looked at my phone, it was a new, new home run to be added. I was like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. But again, guys, thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Don't forget to follow John and Zach as well. You can find all of our Twitter handles on the Bases Loaded podcast page, which is at Bases Loaded Pod. Again, I'm Mike Curlin. You can follow me at Mike underscore Curlin. This is George Montanez. You can follow him at jmontanez90. We always appreciate you listening. And it was a fantastic opening day. Looking forward to covering way more baseball, and we'll talk to you soon. 